Thank you for downloading this APGRD podcast. This is a recording of actor Helen McCrory in conversation with the APGRD's Professor Edith Hall in May 2015. We'd love to hear what you think, so tweet to us at APGRD. Or visit us at www.apgrd.ox.ac.uk for news of our upcoming public events. Hello and welcome to a very, very, very long-awaited and eagerly anticipated uh, archive performances of Greek around our special lecture. We've had very few actual practicing actors over the years. We've tended to go or have been accepted by or it's just fallen out if it's better we have more writers and directors. Um, so it's incredibly exciting to um, have not only... Um, an actor who played uh, the greatest, arguably, of all Greek female roles last summer um, in the Medea at the National, Helen McCrory, but to have one who I know can really talk about what she does. <laughs> so it's incredibly exciting for us. Helen is, of course, a star of um, uh, stage and screen. I first, as I was saying, noticed her uh, and thought, my God, this is somebody really special with a televised version of Anna Karenina. Um, everybody's got their own Helen McCrory story um, the, uh, and Hugo um, I particularly love but I haven't actually seen Skyfall I'm sorry but I'll bet you were good in that too <laughs> <laughs> if you blinked she missed it so I wouldn't worry <laughs> as well uh, Helen's also, I'm excited to say, having done the deer, gone and done a very great deal of research with the history of witchcraft, and I'm not quite sure how we're going to take that, and <laughs> whether it was cart before a horse or what. But I'm just going to chat Helen uh, through just questions I thought would interest me, and hope they'll interest everybody else. We then also have quite a number that have been texted to hashtag... Um, uh, ask Medea. It's like the idea of Medea as the uh, agony aunt. Um, ask Medea about your family problems. Disruptive children. Okay, so Helen, you did uh, Medea to uh, great acclaim. Apparently, one of the, I didn't know this till just now, but one of the uh, big uh, London papers uh, reviewed you saying you had ascended to greatness. So um, I'm pretty sure that that was meant as a compliment. We have many people here who actually saw you several times as well, so if you slip up on what happened in the plot of Medea or anything, there'll be people here to tell you. I would like to take you all the way back to the very beginning, uh, which is your uh, early life and your education, and simply ask whether you had done anything Greek or Roman before. Was this a first for you? As a first, I mean, a drama school. Uh, can I just ask, actually, did, did, did anyone see this? <laughs> oh, so I can't just lie and say it was marvellous. You know, it wasn't. So, um, uh, no, I, I'd, uh, when I'd grown up, I mean, my, my, uh, my mum and dad, you know, would sort of read this, you know, Book of Osborne Usbo- uh, Greek myths and uh, would tell me about various stories. But no, I didn't. At drama school, I had done, I went to a place called Drama Centre, which doesn't really exist anymore in the way that it used to, but was uh, very, very keen on teaching us uh, right from the beginning. So the whole first year, actually, we studied um, the Greeks. And in the third year, I played uh, Hugo von Hofmannsthal's Elektra. And that was the first time and last time until I came to Medea that I'd done anything to do with the, the Greeks, or, or indeed seen anything, actually. Really? I mean, yeah. So yeah. You, you didn't, had you read much about them? Could you have named any Greek plays? Yeah, I think I could name the Greek plays. I could name probably who'd written what, and I knew most of the myths. Yeah. But it was, it was, yeah, very, very uh, sort of childhood stories. So... I want to sort of set the scene in, 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 in my head. So you, you're, you're sitting at home, you open your email, your agent has written to you and it says, or something like that, it says, Medea. So no, I have a, a <laughs> lovely sort of spring afternoon phoned up by my agent and so, yeah, so that's a, so that's a no on that, yes. 
and uh, they're doing a radio, blah, blah, yeah, mm, don't know if I'm going to be have time to do that. And then you're doing this. And oh, by the way, the National have offered you Medea at the main house. <laughs> Very pleased and sort of desperately trying to remember which one that was. And uh, did I fly too close to the sun or did I divide the boys up or did I go through? Did, was it with a minor tour was the Cyclops involved? You, you genuinely uh, didn't realise at first? I, no, I, I, I knew, but I didn't. I, I, I remember her as the uh, you know the child killer but that was about it and then they sent me the Ben so of course your first question is whose adaptation and Ben Power who's the dramaturg at the National Theatre and is staying on even though Nick has left and he will stay on under Rufus um, had done the adaptation and read it and then the second thing of course you do is you is then having read that to make sure because actors sometimes are burnt by reading an adaptation and then saying yes and then you go back to the original source and you realise the adaptation doesn't serve it at all and now you're in trouble because you have now only six weeks in which to persuade your, your contract yes <laughs> or to persuade your director and um, adapter to, to bring it back to what you think um, Medea was about um, so you know, I was I was very excited and but as well sort of quite concerned because I have two children with my husband who's here and uh, one you know was wondering what it was going to actually be like to spend a summer and an autumn uh, killing children and decided having been taught at the drama centre very much the Stanislavski um, method of. Uh, you you very much use yourself in the role that for the first time in order to be able to play this I, I was originally actually asked to do far more performances but before I, before I once I'd read it and understood that I was in the main house and that would be a 1,200 seater and that the energy that I wanted in, to, to put into that I asked for less performances and they said absolutely we understand that maybe three matinees a week as Medea might be pushing it um, and by the end of it I'm like oh just let the kids go it's fine I'll get over it um, would, be, would be a good idea so we, we did this and um, uh, started to um, uh, look at instead of using the Stanislavski in that w- which I've been using for years is no longer to believe that I was Medea but to imagine that nice. I was Medea and to go through otherwise I felt that when it came to the there's a, uh, a piece three quarters of the way through that most of you all know when I, I played it sitting on the sofa with the two boys of when she has this dichotomy is she going to kill her them, them? is she not going to kill them that it would just sort of add 45 minutes to the play as everyone sat and watched this woman sort of decide so decided that definitely to uh, just imagine it and it turned out that no one in the audience seemed to notice the difference so for the last sort of 23 years I've obviously putting myself through a lot of pain for no reason whatsoever (laughs) so I'm staying with my Medea um, uh, what I learned in that play and actually have changed my acting because of it I think definitely Happy. having played it. Yeah, absolutely. Gosh, you've, absolutely. Got, you've done two or three questions. So, I'm so, so sorry. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Let's get back to that, that, that in a minute because I really want to talk in some detail about how you went about some of the scenes in it. But I, I think you probably answered the question already. But I mean, if you're used to the Stanislavski method, which is really uh, trying to get that, the emotions up in you and, and, and reproducing the, effectively, communicating it. Could you have done it as well as you did it, or at all, before you were a, a wife and, and a mother? Both. Um, I, th- I I think as an actress, you'd always hope that yes, you can, because as we refer to the other piece I did before, as a Venetian lady stroke squid in <laughs> Doctor Who, there are some parts you're going to play that you're I were never going to be a squid, so I'm just going to have to dive in on this. Um, and I think that as a mother, actually, I mean, I didn't tell the children, obviously, or I did, I, they knew they were playing Medea, but they'd known about Jason, so I told them that I was that Medea that saved Jason and uh, was very, very beautiful and had a lovely costume. Until, in fact, until press night, in which um, I hope you don't mind me telling this story, Damien. My husband arrives 15 minutes before we're going on, and of course, you're very nervous. And they have a huge tradition at the uh, National Theatre that there's a big quad in the middle, and all the dressing rooms are around. And as they say, 
uh, on press night. This is the Act One beginners, please, from Medea. Will Miss McCrory, Mr. Sapani, please come to the stage? Da da da. All the actors and actresses come to the windows and bang, and a huge echoing noise goes through the quad, and it's quite extraordinary. Everybody, every department comes and bangs. So you, this roar of noise. So if you were relaxed before, you're <laughs> <laughs> because you're terrified now of going on stage. And, and if this wasn't bad enough, Damien then turned around and gave me these two lovely cards from my children. One was with a mother and two children, and good luck, mummy, please don't kill me after the show. <laughs> and it turned out that Damien, in order to get my children to, to do these very lovely cards for me, had told them the story of Medea, so it was the best, best, uh, you know, warm-up, because not only was I terrified, but now I was looking at my husband going, just go, just get your seat, just go and sit down, it doesn't matter. <laughs> um, but I think as a mother, actually... What was interesting in rehearsals is having approached it, thinking actually it was a play about a mother and two children, I realised, for me, it wasn't actually. It was Medea's relationship with Jason, Mm -hmm. and that this was the relationship. And I think having had two children, I went out to to America when Damien was filming, and I had one child in uh, my daughter here. I had my son in America. And, of course, we played it that the children were seven and, and nine yeah. because we needed them on stage but when you actually I actually imagined if it had been done as often it is written that they are babes in arms the fury of having gone through childbirth mm-hmm. and this is one of the lines that Ben Powell put in I bled them out for you I gave you sons I bled them out for you the fury of having gone through that great personal risk and and the fear even now in the 21st century of, of childbirth suddenly having walked around in you know, mamas and papas, the reality of when somebody is saying, which we had, you know, we're losing the heartbeat, we're losing the yeah, heartbeat, yeah. let's get you in now. And you, and you realise that, that, that if somebody had threatened that, if you had been through somebody, through, been through that situation with the person that, you know, obviously you, you made the child with, that then they turned, I realised that was definitely informed, right. um, having been married. So you, 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 you did consciously think about those things while you were doing the role over the summer? Yes, I mean, I, I, I think that uh, having said that, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't you, you, only, you can only use yourself, yeah. obviously, and all the research, and um, I should explain that Edith and I met during this time because I contacted Edith, um, and we spoke about, uh, a, a lot about this play, but actually the uh, and that's all to take you know what are the differences the, you know you look at the similarities and the differences between you and the character and research helps you with the idea of the differences but of course the similarities are are are, are, are there for free mm. so in, in that way yes you do use yourself constantly mm. could you just expand a little on the distinction between believing yourself into a role and imagining yourself into a role you said you decided you couldn't do a believe you were the dear but you had to do an on-stage imagining? Um, that I think that it's quite... Uh, I know that by the end of the uh, process, my body, my skin, my hair, my nails, everything had changed. And it was quite interesting talking to doctors about what grief does to the body really? and where you feel it in the body. And definitely I, my hair was coming out and my skin had changed. And I think... Grief does seep through every pore, and that the heaviness and the weight that you was all in the preparation before you come on stage of what is it like having the stench of grief on your body and why people avoid why it's very scary mm-hmm. when people are going through grief and how the emotions will change from one minute to uh, the next of euphoria and you feel fine and then suddenly it hits you. And why that is dangerous for society, why people do go away from it, because it's very hard to deal with people in that situation. Absolutely. So I think that that was close enough just during the preparation of, of, of before coming on stage, which my preparation would be every night just reading simply the script and then putting it down, which I brought today because I can't remember a lot of it. <laughs> uh, so just in case I need to refer to it. Oh, no, I didn't die. Helen yeah. was really, I have to say, it is so scrupulously annotated, the, 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 the sort of meticulous brain work that went into this preparation. It's, I've seen directors 
scripts like this, but I don't think I've ever seen an actor's script like this. Um, It's quite extraordinary, and I do hope we're going to be allowed to photograph some of it for our archive at at some point. Uh, Helen nearly left it in the cafe where we had lunch, and I thought, oh dear, (laughs) what's going to happen with the phone call from social services halfway through this document that uh, Helen has just left there. So you liked Ben Powell's script, you reacted quite strongly to that. And yes. And then d- d- I like the sparseness of the script. And um, what was very interesting is I, I, when I sent it to um, Edith, it, there was one, <laughs> one moment, and she said, yeah, yeah, fine, 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 you know, all of it is taste. And at the end of the day, I can say taste, uh, I would do this and I wouldn't do that. But actually, there's only one thing that's n- not correct, which is before, Ma- Ma- excuse me, before Medea murders, she, in our script, had a moment that she said, oh, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm going to do it anyway. I'm paraphrasing, obviously. And Said head she, and heart in perfect harmony. My head and yeah. my heart are now in perfect harmony. Yes. And Sounds a bit Bee Gees to me. Yes, and Edith <laughs> said this, it, it, she must know what she is doing is wrong, but she will do it anyway. And it was very interesting, actually, the amount of uh, psychotherapists and therapists and psychologists <laughs> that came to the play and then talked about this moment and said, this is, of course, why she is not insane. Exactly. No, that was crucial. Knows, but you, yeah. you then wrote the bit you said. You actually yourself yes. wrote <laughs> Not to be encouraged, necessarily, came, in the future. Came yeah. the bit once I tried to explain what the Greek meant. You, um, you, you, you then came up with... And, and he, he, he thought they were right too. At yes, and point. Ben absolutely went through it. Yeah. So, as you, you talked about, and I thought about, I'm fascinated by the awful effects it had on your, you physiologically. But uh, I thought of you this morning, I was listening to the radio, um, and there were two women, both of whom had lost children uh, of, of horrible diseases, talking. And, and they both used this phrase, the work of grief. Nobody ever told me what unbelievable, like a sentence of hard labour, apart from just physiolo- getting through. This and, and it, sound, it sounds to me as though, as though it wasn't just the work of being an, an actor who was getting through being protagonist in one of the great classics of the world repertoire. But the, yeah. the, you felt that added to, to were you exhausted at the end? I was exhausted, but I also think that uh, going back to talking about working at the drama, you know, learning under the drama centre, we were we we were incredibly privileged because our teachers were superb. And I remember one of the teachers, Yat Malgram, would talk about when you would walk on stage, and this was particularly um, true for the Greeks, he felt, was it was the triangle of energy and that the actor on stage would have all the ghosts of the people behind you who had never told the story, but yeah. you were going to tell their story. Wow. So your responsibility was all these people behind you who, who had never spoken. And that summer we saw the awful images of people coming out of Syria. We had the uh, Palestine, yeah, and we had all the images of, you know, with the, and we used them in the play, of the, the, the bags over people's shoulder and what that was like to be homeless. And it was very much in the zeitgeist. I mean, in, in no way, obviously, you're, you're, you know, you're not performing to those people, but it was in the public consciousness. And so you have to... You know, you you have to do your research, and you have to know what the audience's sensibilities and what they're seeing, and what you feel, and 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 be responsible about what you're saying. Mm. I saw it relatively early in the run. Uh, I saw it twice, but both times quite early. Um, other people t- told me there are people in this room who went three or four times. Um, I <laughs> Sorry, <think laughs> trying to see if it made any sense. Uh, I mean, the I, next I, time. They, they certainly felt that it evolved, that it had changed quite a lot, and even just your realization of your role, let alone the whole production. Do you feel that it evolved, and, and, and in what way? Well, I think that any play um, evolves. I mean, I think that if you ever want to go and see um, a a good production, never go to the press night, always go to the penultimate. The last night's a disaster because we all milk it, (laughs) staring, glazing at the audience, hoping at some point somebody's going to stand and clap you. Um, But I think that just before the last night, actually, you'll you'll get the best performance because... Even, I mean, it's interesting now, just looking, you know, when I was reading through it on the train, there will be lines that as soon as I read that line, your heart just starts going faster because you will learn it in your body. It's yeah. very physical and instinctive and sensual acting. It's, it's not, it does not become intellectual. That's, 
I think that's the trick, hopefully, of the actor, is that you will be online instinctively. You cannot say anything else but that line, whether, obviously, when you're coming to press night, you're hoping you're saying the right line, because the <laughs> drama tag is in the audience, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which was... Can you remember... I know you've done several things since then, um, and it must be quite difficult accessing the memories of, of rehearsals nearly a year, year ago. But which, would, which scene would you say was the, the biggest challenge to you as an actor, in fact, and to the other actors and, and performers? Which was the toughest nut to crack? I think, um, and I think this is true, not necessarily of, uh, I mean, is true uh, with Medea, but is also true of, of most plays, which is the first scene is so important to an actor because you're going to establish um, what you know, your energy on that stage to wait yourself on. I decided in Medea that I wanted to come on. Originally, I was going to just do it in knickers and a vest, brushing my teeth, but then we decided to put on trousers because, quite frankly, the Olivier was not big enough to uh, get them all at the back if I felt comfortable about walking around in knickers and a vest on, on stage. But, um, but you know, definitely in sort of in, in pyjamas or what we ended up with was Jason's old clothes. But... Um, because that's that tonal note that you hit with the audience is is so important, and it's 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 quite extraordinary that if you don't hit that correctly, how long? Not so much now. I mean, the more you work, uh, the more experienced you are, you can you can get back on track much much quicker. But definitely at the beginning of your career, when you're you're not as experienced and not as uh, practiced, um, if you're off that first entrance it can take a long time for you to get back on track because your own confidence is thrown. Well, we've heard you before, though. You were doing these amazing animal noises from, from backstage. This is the sort of thing that we hear, Medea, uh, first. And I yes. think there are many roles like that. Um, no, no. And then, and was it your idea? Were you, very com- were you very comfortable with this incredible domestic toothbrushing intimate detail because I mean in the play it's quite stately that she comes out of the house to sort of meet the public was that was that sort of coming from you or was yeah it I mean, yes yes it was I mean very much so because I mean I remember the first um, conversations I had with Carrie our director we she was talking about her wearing a sort of you know a, a, ver- a white suit you know sort of pictures of um, Hillary Clinton uh, you know, the power woman and I felt that actually if you came out in this, uh, we didn't really understand how disenfranchised this woman was. Right. And that, uh, that she, she, we know that she's been at home for a while, we know she hasn't eaten, we know that she, she's sick with grief, we know she's screaming and shouting, so I wanted there to be absolutely no marks of the old Medea and that it was only halfway through the play when she needs to use her sensuality in order to get what she wants from Jason that for the first time when she walks back and we did it suddenly, we did a costume change halfway through and was she that came the back in the other. Yeah. That was brilliant. Uh, <laughs> that you saw the Medea that they were talking about, but until then you don't, because then you feel what she's lost. Did you, um, speak, speaking of that, um, the relationship with the chorus, did, did you find... Did you feel that they were, uh, was it important to you that they were meant to be sort of women around your age, young women? Did, did you get a sense of this audience of Corinthian I women did. folk that you had to get on side as an immigrant? Yes, I mean, yes, yes, I knew that intellectually as an actress in the play. I think that we, um, in rehearsals at the beginning, worked together and then very, very quickly, actually, the, the chorus was taken off with dance. Yeah and um, Alison Goldfrapp and William, who'd written the music and the score for it, and they were doing separate rehearsals. So we didn't actually, in our production, have, I don't think, that um, symbiosis between the women and um, Medea. We, ha- we had it in the first scene, but actually as soon as the king, you know, Creon, and I, uh, entered, that was sort of dissipated. Um, I, I would have been very interested. Had I directed it, I would have been. I would have had a different relationship with the women throughout because I think it's very important. Um, you were saying earlier about uh, different choruses, and you know they were very chosen so particularly, and it's chosen very particularly that it's women of Corinth that Medea has to win around, 
and why and and uh, and I don't think that our production explored that successfully. That side of it. No, no, yeah, yeah. Did it make a difference? I've been asked by the uh, archive of performance in Greek and Roman drama to ask you this in very uh, in, in particular related to research project. Uh, how much did it affect your interpretation of Medea's role that she is from a country that is regarded as, as barbaric? By the host country, Greece, hugely. Did I mean, it, I think did it you feel foreign. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, well, I yes, I did. I mean, I wanted to come on, sort of covered in tattoos. Oh, we did no. do, we did do a rehearsal like that. That I think our, the director was so confused by it, it was never mentioned again. <laughs> but uh, I thought it was winning, actually. But that's that's what happens when you live in Camden one year too long. But, <laughs> Uh, yes, I, because it was, it's just shortcuts. It's shortcuts to try and tell the audience, I am other. Um, but I, I, yes, I do. I, th- I think it was hugely important that she came from a, a, a highly civilised society, a, 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 a beautiful Garden of Eden, into this dirt bowl that she moves into, <laughs> where women are not listened to, for instance... Uh, she comes from a, a, a country that we, we know in Georgia, you know, was known for its healing, you know, and this was the Golden Fleece, you know, the gold would come down from the mountains into the water and the farmers would wash the fleeces into the water and, of course, when they took it out, the gold dust was in this. And most importantly, it taught that then they knew how to weave and the lanolin didn't burn their hands because the gold somehow changed the lanolin. So you know, so all so you know, researching into this, what they understood about medicines and herbs, all these things were very, very important to Medea. That she, from my understanding of, of Medea, that she, you know, this whole idea of she was the witch, that it wasn't, you know, that she was she was a chemist. You know, yeah. she, she understood this about because she had all these natural um, elements around her. These the gold, but also the, 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 the plants and um, uh, nutrients that would, would have been around her in order to heal, in order to, um, you know, why that it was set there. And um, that feeling of other, obviously royal, obviously of, of noble birth, coming into somewhere that she was no longer seen as uh, noble, um, the difference that would make to you. And, you know, I... I know that from sitting in, you know, yesterday sitting in the cab that I was picked up to go down to Piccadilly and I was talking to my, you know, we use a local cab service and a lot of the cab service in Nigeria and I was saying to him, we're talking about Lagos because I grew up in Africa and saying, so what did you do, you know, he's a, he's a cardiologist, mm. you know, and chatting that. to him about cardiology and what that means and why he's traded it up to come here and the advantage of his children you know, so we see that so much in our lives. We know we we understand exactly what that means now, and the audience will because we live in such a, you know, multicultural, particularly you know, well, every in England, you know, society that we know what that is and what mm. what that costs people and uh, to move and absolutely. Yeah. So you see it very much as her coming from a superior society. She's having to take that basically racist abuse yeah. uh, about her culture and demeaning it from somebody who lives, who's actually a much more primitive lifestyle yeah. and one signal of that is that the woman is actually uh, in her culture an equal because it's a more advanced culture and she's yes, and, and also I think, I think the whole, I think the whole um, term barbarian and, and I'm now terrified because obviously I'm sitting in front of classicists and you know a lot more than I do about this but from my understanding of it was anything that was other than Greek and but our, our misuse of the world now is barbaric because she was described as barbaric. You then think of uncivilized, unable to control, uh, have any sort of self-control, uh, violent. You know, when of course it didn't mean any of these things yeah. originally. Originally, yeah. yeah, absolutely. So I mean, okay. So this is your take on the play. This is your take on the play as somebody not in UKIP who lives in Camden and, and, and so on. <laughs> Actually, it's funny because I remember Danny Sapani who played Jason saying to me that he, he understood a lot about her, Medea, when he was, which he tried not to, but when he was identifying with Because he he's apparently comes from African royalty. He is yeah. himself a... Ghanaian. He's a Ghanaian. Yeah. Heir to the Ghan- a Ghanaian tribal... Yeah. Uh, throne is it? I think this is, mm. and he talked about this a lot and how when he was a young man walking, it, it, it helped him. Yeah, when he was a target of racist abuse to no, you know who he, where he came from. Exactly, Absolutely. exactly. And he yeah. saw a lot of that in in Medea. 
But let's get on to the old uh, feminism arguments, which do pop up a lot with Madeira. Is he or isn't he? He's writing this in, in you know, the full 40s of BCE. Do you, having acted that, those words that he wrote, and ultimately the Ben Powell was quite close to the spirit of everything in Euripides, what do you think he was trying to say about women and the position of women? Uh, I mean, I think uh, unequivocally he's, he's, he's feminist because right. anybody, or for, for, for me as an actress, anybody who gives a complexity of argument um, to a woman that he would give to a man as a feminist. Right. I don't really care if he likes her or dislikes her. I think that, that is, that's another thing altogether. But to give her the complexity of argument, you know, um, uh, you, you're an advocate for your character, and, uh, you know, the, the play was the argument before, and the, uh, it, it, that she, her, her argument couldn't be more expressed, right. it, you know, from every single level in, in the play. Um, and the fact that he, uh, he is the first uh, writer to bring the children on and, and to kill them, um, I don't think we're saying, you know, she's a crazed lunatic, look what women do, if you give them an inch they'll take a mile, or indeed your own children. Um, I think he was um, exposing if you brutalise somebody, what is what is the response? Right. If you are brutal to somebody again and again, this they will become brutalised. They will change. Right. Does it make a difference to you? Did you ever think? I know you know the conditions of, 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 of ancient theatrical production in, in classical Athens, but knowing that this is a part written for a male actor who's performing to an audience predominantly, if not nearly exclusively male, but with a, with a female mask. Did you have any relationship with that origins of, of that role? Did you have sense that these were words written for a man to deliver? Or, no. or did it affect you at all? No, I, no, no, I didn't actually. Maybe I should. No, I didn't. And uh, but I mean, I, I, well, there's I, no should about it. I'm just interested. No, I mean, it, but in the same way, I think that I definitely, I, I definitely felt that they were written for a woman. In the same way that if you, um, I played, uh, oh God, what's she called, Rosalind, and as you like it, about I don't know, eight years ago or something. And there, was, there were various scenes that he, Shakespeare doesn't mark when you are uh, Ganymede and when you are Rosalind. And I remember thinking, well, I don't know, we'll, I suppose we'll just find out in rehearsal. And it was so clear, because every time I was playing Rosalind, I would walk into the scene, I would ask how the other person felt, and <laughs> then I would chat to them a little bit about it, and then we'd sort of come to a conclusion, and then we'd chat about how we, what we thought about somebody else, or whatever, and then we'd go on with the adventure, having decided it together. And whenever I was playing Ganymede, I would come along, I would find out what they were, I'd sort it out, dominate, and move on. <laughs> and I found it really interesting, and I came out of that production feeling thankful God, I was born a woman because yeah. I found it much lonelier to be a man. Yeah. I, I found it much, yeah, I found it much, I felt much lonelier in those scenes because it was me asserting myself against somebody else or me trying to dominate or me trying to sort out. We know this is the cliche, isn't it? When women talk to women, you know, I'll maybe say, I'll maybe say to a man, uh, it's a problem, and they'll say, but we talked about this yesterday. <laughs> you know, what can I solve? I can't. Well, then why are you telling me, you know? Whether a woman will say, oh my gosh, well, you didn't tell me, she told me that. Okay, so tell me again what she said. Oh, from the <laughs> Penis and another bottle of rosé goes down. Yeah. Um, so, so, yes, and so the way she, I mean, I, I'm, I'm being flippant about it, but I always felt, you know, I never felt when I was playing Medea, a woman would never say this. A woman would never no. think this. I absolutely felt that, as all great uh, writers, mm. Um, his ability to explain and speak for women would be as uh, natural to him as it would be to speak or or or, or research or you know uh, explore a character that was a million miles away from him as a man as well. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, I. Uh, you know, I, I experience only takes you so far. It, uh, you know, you <laughs> yeah. have to have an imagination, don't you, about all these things. Otherwise, we're all doomed. So, with that in mind, can, can we take two to that you've already mentioned it? Uh, the, the, the big speech after the Eagle scene has all happened when when she is wrestling with her decision to do it. Um, 
called by classicists, you know, the deliberation speech. She was deliberating, shall I, shall I? And as the text we've got it comes, she changes her mind five, five times. I can't remember whether Ben Powell put all five in, but when you're acting out, and I'm really interested here because this is something scholars argue about endlessly, is do you think she's, did you feel you really were you? Your imagined Madea persona was really being torn in different directions, or did you feel she was somehow going through some motions for the sake of audience, that it was sort of performed? Really, do they? Yes. So what do they argue? They argue, <laughs> no, obviously. Yeah. We know so she's a liar, we know she can do deception, that she's... This is one way of interpreting that. The, the other is that she really but has sort of manipulation on the audience. Somehow, yeah, or the chorus or, or whoever. Did you, because um, you, I, I noticed, I mean, again, I don't know whether you were a director, but the way you came right to the front of the stage for the, when you really broke down, right? yeah. you know, it was utterly distressing. I mean, I, I that was the point I cracked, you know, people cracked at different, having me laughing my head off, and we'll go back to that in a minute, with your scenes in, with Jason actually laughing. So that, I mean, did, did you, do you feel he wrote that to be acted as a totally genuine moment of total despair? I think it has to be. Right. I think it has to be, in other words, because I think if you don't believe that she has, that her heart is breaking. It's like, I think um, a weird lot. Don't, 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 don't. Yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> I, I think if you don't believe her heart is breaking, you don't really understand what it costs. No. And if you don't understand what it costs, and you don't care about what she is about to do, you can never stop the Jasons of the world, or the the um, or, or we had a, what's the king called? And this is one for the students. What's the king called? Which one? The king that nah, the, the king that I'm under that I come to. Creon, thank you. And, and you can't stop the um, the Creons from just you know um, saying well you're going to marry for political gains and we, we it doesn't matter that that this is you know that this will be the cost to those people. I think that you have to feel. Um, I think you have to go through every moment, and I also think it's important that you have to go through every moment because it is the unexplained. You, you, there is no, you can't forgive no. it. I mean, it's the most. It's it, it's you know. I think there's sort of certain crimes that you sort of think, well, you know, in another time, maybe I understand why you know she found him with him and he shot her, and of course it's bad and of course it's terrible, but I get it. Yeah. You know, but there are certain there are certain crimes, killing your children, rape. There are certain things, paedophilia, that society still does not comprehend. And we'll sit in the dark, and night after night after night, I'll play Medea, and night after night after night, the audience will try and try and understand. But it's it's the fact that we can't understand it that we have to keep examining it again and again and again in order to try and enlighten ourselves and to try and help ourselves because unless we do understand them and unless we do enlighten ourselves it will continue. Mm. Um, so so yes, for me, um, it, it, it's a genuine it's a gen, genuine argument that she has, and I think as well you know all the way through it we decided that she was going to decide. I don't know. Is that different, actually? I can't remember in Ben's version that she decides halfway through that she's going to no, kill. No, he, he had a decided exactly the same moment, which was after the EQ thing. Right, yeah. So I think that it is, it is a, a, a all of circumstance as well. This would never have happened if he hadn't have left. She is not a child murderer born. That right. is not her fate until Jason... Um, Remarries and Abandoned in such so. a brutal way under those actual circumstances. In your production, I mean, it really was very funny at times. Did you feel that was something that was inherent in, in the script and therefore made well, you know, actually gone back to Euripides, or is that your very playful and witty personality in, just inevitably imprinting itself on that role? Well. Um, I, I looked at it, I actually just read it through on, on the train up to remind myself of it. And there didn't seem to be any obvious, obvious laughs, actually, as I went through oh, it. Oh, come on. The one I remember um, is until the script. When, when Danny said, I've got to go off because I'm late for my wedding, basically, 
You went. No, but that's what I'm saying. She's dying for it. She's for it. Yeah. Remember, but, you were hysterical. It yeah. The but what I mean is, yes, he doesn't. I don't think he. Right. I think that that was my. That's that's. I mean, I, I. Yeah, I've got quite a gallows <laughs> humour as it is, and I think that. Um, there were quite a lot of those moments when I thought that was you. Yeah, but I. Th- I think that's. I think it's very. I think humour is so important. I think it's particularly in a, particularly when you're watching something like this because. If you can, if you can, um, some way identify, which I think that humour is the quickest way of, 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 uh, of contacting people in that moment as a, as a member. Also, I do find it. I, I genuinely find it sort of quite amusing. Um, then you, when she's going through what she's about to go through, you you go with her more rather than just sort of some. You know, hatchet-faced old kind of you know white-faced woman. You, you just think I just don't know what she's you know she's so a million miles away from me. Um, but we all but but we do, don't we? We're, we're, it was yeah. mainly in the scenes with Jason, and it's, was that to do with your relationship with with, with Danny Sapani? I mean, do you crack jokes together? Yes, yeah. I mean I've just been working with Danny for another six months. Yeah, in, how was in that Ireland. after playing the woman who kills his children? Uh, well, yes. Can you tell people a little bit about Penny Dreadful? Yeah, yes, so this was, we then went on to work, we don't, we don't do very many scenes together on a gothic horror series for um, an American network called Showtime and uh, written by a man called John Logan who, I had written, who I'd worked with before actually on Hugo and the Skyfall and I knew him for, for a while um, and he in the first series has written a story about two characters trying to find a girl in a very fantastical world where vampires and Dorian Gray and Dr Frankenstein exist in Victorian London and in the second series the hunters become the hunted and I am the hunter wow so yes it was quite fun yeah. I get to open my first scene in a bloodbath, smoking a cigarette and singing Irish ditties, and so it goes on. So, um, so yes. Yeah, so then we work together on that. But, um, but uh, I think it's interesting you mentioned Danny because I think this is it's also very important with with Danny's uh, contribution to playing Jason. You know, Danny is sort of you know six foot. Ghanaian man that you believe could have actually been, you know, so often you, you, particularly with British actors, you sort of come on and you think, my God, I mean, he'd have been drowned in the first wave over the boat. I mean, that's <laughs> you know, the sort of rather feet kind of thing prances on and you just think, nah, I don't care, why are you killing your children for that? I mean, no, I don't. <laughs> um, you know, as in Rosalind, I had Dominic West, you know, they, I said, oh, I can't play Rosalind because Orlando's always so sort of fey and they say, who do you want? Dom West. So three months later, they said, we've got Dom West. So I was like, okay, well, yeah, okay, we have to do it now. <laughs> so, um, so, and uh, I think Jason again, you know, being played by Danny, um, was was very uh, secure in his masculinity and secure in the fact that when he came onto that stage, that there would be people in the audience, hopefully by the end, that would would hate me, but would also hate him. And so I had the freedom, therefore, to be able to take the piss, whether another actor you might right. have felt would not be able to, wouldn't be able to handle it. That's interesting. And yeah. you do have that with actors on stage, that you will have to change your performance because they're not secure enough to take it. Whether Danny is just, you know, such a, 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 a great man on, on many different levels that you could just play with those things. Well, he also yeah. played it that he was absolutely convinced of, uh, at least he came over, Yes. He was absolutely convinced of the logic and justification, justifiedness of, of Jason's position. Yes. That when he said, darling, I did it for you and for all of us, which makes all women just want to kill him on the spot. Yes. Uh, he actually really meant that. This was the only way to get economic security. You really meant it. Security to secure, yeah, absolutely, yeah, to so, survive. So you, yeah. had, you had a proper conflict of two big people, big personalities, each with a... Uh, and I haven't seen it work like that. Uh, I've seen a lot of Madeiras with very, very great actresses who just talk the men off the stage. Absolutely. Mm. So no, that 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 was that was that was very, very interesting. So you said that you would, if you directed Madeira, you'd be thinking, are you interested in directing any theatre or Greek theatre in particular? Um, yeah, I would love. I think I'd like to direct Electra. Yeah, I think I would. Uh, yes, 
obviously mm. I'd like to, yeah, I'm doing new adaptations. I, I have not wanted to direct for so long because I'm always frightened, one, I'm frightened because I know as an actress what a bad director means to you. Right. I, 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 you know, and I would hate to be that person in the corner that everybody's heart just fell when I gave another <laughs> note. You just think, oh God, it's one of them. Um, but uh, I would, you know, I, I think I'll talk to maybe Rufus about doing something at the studio, something safe that I can work with actors, and then if they're if I'm bloody awful, they can all tell me, and I'll stop there, rather than expose them to a twelve-week run at the West End of humiliation. Um, but yeah, I, I, I would. Do you have actually. a sort of mise-en-scene in, in mind? Uh, no, but I think that I think the way that I was taught, I think the way that I was taught at the drama centre, you know, I'm very, I, I, I very much analyse the whole play and all the scenes in the play and all the characters, and then I know where I fit in, rather than just study one right. part, my part, and then just see where it takes me, yeah. you know. Um, so I, yeah, I, I think that that might be something I'll be doing in the future. Wonderful. Yeah. Would you be in it as well? Would you act no. direct? No. No. You, 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 you sit the director. Okay. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah. are there any other actual ancient roles you'd like to take on, though, as, as an actor? Um, separately, I, I'd quite like. I'd be very interested, actually, in doing an Electra. Right. Just, I mean, what I have to do is, and I, you, you, in fact, I should talk to your audience after this and find out which ones are old crones that I could play without everyone going. <laughs> don't think she looks 40 in love um, you know it and find matter. out it doesn't matter I mean what's the name to allowed to Juliet, we know she's allowed to play a 14 year old I mean yeah hey. but, but you know what I mean what I mean is I can't remember you know the sort of the uh, exact details of these characters but yes because I think there's uh, I think there is just uh, a depth of emotion that the Greeks tap into that no other writers tap into. Really? There's nothing you can bear with it? Nothing. Ibsen? No. Chekhov. I mean, I played Chekhov, I played Ibsen, Shakespeare, Racine. I mean, mm. no. I don't think, I don't think anybody, uh, I, I don't think there are any other dramaturgs that understood uh, pure emotion like the Greeks did. Right. Well, yeah. I, I don't, we've got so much to learn from them and it's so important that we continue to perform them. Can we, can, can we just yeah. have that on our strap on our, our website, please? Like Hashtag. Yes. Speaking of which, I've got a couple of questions here, apart from Doctor Who. Um, I'm afraid I've got an awful lot of very sweet young ladies saying things like, how can I get to be a famous actress like you? So, I mean, I just sort of answered most of them, are you any good? Uh, I'm afraid. I'm a bit rude. <laughs> you wheedled them out, did you? Yeah, before exactly. we started. <laughs> Yeah. Exactly. We have. Would How you say Doctor Who? And we've got. We've got. Yes. From that, uh, mm. we've had several. Are you going to do another role? We've done that. I, I think that's just about it, actually. We have one from a lady called Hecate Paul, oh. who I thought how exciting, but, but it turns out that this is actually my character that I'm now playing, or I was playing, was is Evelyn Paul, and my daughter is Hecate Paul. And so, yes, often audiences identify with your characters and then they use their, your names in... Um, sometimes they dress as your characters and come to stage door. But sometimes, <laughs> oh God, they just keep it on the internet. So you just don't have to surf it. Oh, I know, but you want, you want Hecate writing to hashtag Ask Madea, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> which, which, which spell do you want tonight, love? It's well, Hecate is quite interesting, actually. Mark Rylance came to see the, um, the play. And... Medea, yeah. sorry, and uh, said to me before um, because he's he's a very uh, very well read. Mm. I mean, has he come to talk to you? Not yet. Oh, you must. When I he mean, have? he's extraordinary. His knowledge of uh, drama and the Greeks and of well, all things talk- theatrical is just second to none. I mean, he's he's a true scholar, and he said to me, "Do you?" Uh, he said. Uh, ever offer anything to Hecate before the show, uh, in all seriousness. And, um, and we, ch- we talked about it, and e- actually every night that I, when I would be learning the lines in the summer, I would sit in the garden in the dark, and uh, I'm slightly dyslexic, so often I don't learn lines 
because I'll be, I, I won't know that I'm mislearning them because when I refer back to it, it looks correct to me. And so I will tape them right. and I will play the tape for myself and, uh, you know, test myself like that. And uh, every night that I'd sit in the garden and he would talk about Hecate not being, I mean, as well as being the goddess of the hearth and da-da-da-da, was of instinct. And uh, this was one of the uh, sort of a really interesting preparation for me before I used to start it. The whole of the audience would be coming in, and I would stand at the back, in complete pitch dark. And I thought, this is so perfect for Medea, of understanding Medea. What happens when you have nothing? And she says right at the beginning, there is no home for me. There is nothing. There is only destruction. Yeah. And how am I going to reach that? Right. And those moments that, you know, the cornered, the caged animal is always the most frightened and frightening. Um, and like that. that sort of, that feeling of instinct is also a great note to give to uh, an actress because that in you, when you are doing your best performances, the nights that you come off and you're happily, you know, drinking your glass of wine in, in the bar thinking, I did my job, are the evenings that it is all instinctive and you know that there's nothing else you could have done apart from that in that moment and it will change and it will be a completely different rhythm you can lose seven minutes on a show or you can gain yeah. ten minutes I mean it's that different I mean that's obviously the excitement of the performance is that you will see a completely different Medea every night um, and uh, but that I idea that uh, Hecate is the, the goddess of instinct yeah, that, yeah. That, absolutely yeah. wonderful what You'd be prepared to take a few questions from the audience for our, our last five minutes? Please. Uh, you and then, and then yeah. Yeah. go first, yeah. Okay, hi. Thank you very much. Is it different for you to, um, to try to communicate the essence of um, Medea to men as to women? Is there a difference in this? Is there something you're aware of? That when I was speaking to men in the audience or women in the audience, yeah, do you mean so? in the audience. Um, there were, no, there were, n not, no, but there was one line in which I wanted to do very much to the audience, um, which was, up now, Medea, I, um, something I need strength now more than ever, uh, I am the sun god's daughter and I know that I have strength enough to do it, and more than that, I am a woman, and we know, oh God, you see... It was something to do, and it's to do with pain. And it's to do with the pain of childbirth. And we know more than you know, that anyone what this will cost. And, and I always looked at the women for that line. Only, I mean, a lot of it was to take strength from them, but often it was just not to humiliate a man as I went into their eyes, and we know women as if he was thinking, Christ almighty, just because I've got a ponytail on, it doesn't mean I'm not all man. Um, uh, so, I, so I didn't feel uh, any different communicating at all, but afterwards it was so interesting. It was young, the, 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 the fans that came back um, that, that weren't, you know, scholars just because <laughs> it's easier than reading it, seeing it again, um, were young women. And a lot of men just came out of it. It was quite interesting seeing a lot of my friends' marriages. A lot of the men would come out and just go, I mean, you know, really? <laughs> you know, and, and uh, because it, it is very critical, and it is very critical of men. And... Um, of those men, I mean, it's not critical of men, but it's critical of those men, of, of, of men that just just didn't really enjoy it at all very much, particularly if they were having a hard time at home. Quite frankly, I understand that. I mean, neither would I. It's not a night out if you're going through a divorce, is it? But, you know, um, and a lot of young women just going, yes, yes, yes. You're going, you're on the pill, aren't you? Yes, good. Yeah. Yeah, maybe get that out of your system before you just settle down a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes, please. Um, so you mentioned feminism in the day, and you also mentioned the lecture. And in addition to those two plays, um, you've had Antigone recently. You've also got another show in the West End, um, Made in Dagenham. 
And all these four plays um, all include some sort of female empowerment to an extent. I mean, you could argue otherwise, but to an extent, it includes female empowerment. So, in, I suppose my question is how far do you think that you've been part of a collection of plays that have been put on to make a commentary on feminism? Um, I think that because those, all, all those plays are, are, are different producers and uh, different um, houses producing them, I don't think that there is a uh, conscious, uh, conscious collective effort. Um, but what I do think is that, well, and I think what you've rightly picked up on, is that there are many more producers now and directors that are women that we have uh, the Pink Pound, that many women now are coming to the theatre and, uh, you know, in groups. And now are, we can also, with the emergence of women playing stronger roles, you know, Kristen Scott Thomas or Gillian Anderson or all these women we have on the theatre uh, now can pull in an audience as much as the Mark Rylance or the, uh, the Damien Lewis's or, you know, you know, that we have that, we have a, a, a balance now. Uh, oh, no, we don't have a balance, but we are, we are getting an, enough of our own power to be able to head shows and, um, you know, and, and make sure that the audiences are, are, are going to be full. But I think that there is... Um, I think that women and... Act, I mean, I know that myself... We're, we're the, and talking to my contemporaries, uh, like the women I've just mentioned before, you know, we're much more proactive about trying to find out those roles, about trying to commission, saying, okay, well, I'd quite like to play Hedda Gabler, but I don't want to play this Hedda. Who's, you know, why, why don't we see Ben Powers Hedda Gabler? Why don't we see this? You know, let's well, let's commission. You know, what's Abby Morgan writing at the moment? Let's. So there is a much much stronger awareness from women um, to give ourselves jobs. <laughs> yeah, but to, uh, to in, frankly, in, inform the repertoire to actually help create yes. the repertoire, absolutely. Yeah, and from men. Karen. I was going to ask him, was um, Medea's um, sort of mentioned disintegration at the end your idea, or was it a collective idea? And do you think it's the only way now really the 21st century audience can possibly forgive her? Um, uh, well, the, well, actually, in rehearsals. It was, I mean, first of all, Carrie was very interested in, uh, the two things I really wanted is that I wanted to bring the bodies on. I thought it was very important that the audience see the result. But obviously we couldn't bring the bodies on because they're children and this would traumatise them. And it, it was a big part in rehearsal. I, I sat with all the kids and I went, rah, 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 and I just turned it on and then turned it off and went, ah, isn't that funny? Now you try it. And I was going, don't believe you, try it excellent now really shout at me and I'll really shout at you to make sure that they knew this was just playing you know this was another reason that I didn't believe it when I was doing it in the way because you know you have to be responsible for those children um, that are going to be facing that every night and um, uh, uh, so so that was something that I really wanted to bring the sleeping bags on at the end and to set those up at the beginning and, and it was Carrie's great idea to have them as sleeping bags so we could identify that that's, that was what was supposed to be in them at the end but I mean she was talking originally actually about having Aegeus as a doctor and there would be an ambulance at the end and she would be straight jacketed and taken off so very much like the sort of the Tennessee William heroine of believing she's you know I'm flying to Aegeus and da 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 but it was very important to me that she was sane mm -hmm. and at the end when she um, uh, she comes on and she says I, I, I've done what I've done and I'm great I, uh, I felt not, uh, not I'm great but I have a ascended to greatness was that is often what m murderers or when I was reading about yeah. it people feel I am other than you I have taken life you have not I am different from you which is true mm -hmm. secondly she's in shock because she has done what she's done and the the horror is she realizes that she, she comes on with the, with the bloody hands and Thirdly, taking the, 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 physical, the physical, I kept thinking of, you know, when you see the pilgrims, you know, my, my father's, well, it is not Catholic, but was brought up a Catholic, so when we would go to France, we would go to Lourdes, 
and we would see, you know, the the peasant Catholic and coming in on the knees and the blooded knees and the, you know, the the uh, I understood the feeling of uh, purging yourself when I picked up the bodies and the idea of having to walk that there's some sort of purging of sin and I know I can't use sin because I know we're in the Greeks but there's some sort of purging of um, her act by the hardship that she will, <coughs> she is going to be putting herself through. But I felt that when she was saying, come gods, take me now, that she believes what she has done is right. Mm. And the audience, you can't shy away from that. And I didn't want to. I didn't want to do an apologetic, I don't know what I'm doing. You know, you should be appalled by her at the end. And you should if you want to hate her at the end. And if you don't want that, well, then don't play Medea, you know. Um, but I, I mean, it's interesting. I think that she, did, she, does, she does disintegrate, but she does not become other. She does not become... A, she, she's still Medea under stress. She is not somebody else, and she is not... Um, she's not insane. But maybe you disagree. I've got... One and then from my performance, I mean, you know, one down here. What do you want? Fiona, you, you want no, so we have you, and then Yana, and then we better wrap up. Okay, thank you. Um, I think you've already gone some way in answering this, but um, part of the reason that she was so terrifying was her humanity and her relatability. And yeah. I just wondered whether you'd have the opportunity to do any research into the types of revenge killings that because it's not something that belongs in myth, it is, it is a reality for some people. Um, had you had the opportunity to look into that and if so did you find any surprising commonalities with the people who've really done this um, could you be a bit more precise about revenge killings oh, well, what sort of revenge the papers, I, I can't think of a specific example but you, it, it does happen where you know, a partner has cheated on their husband or wife and as a consequence they've, they've killed their children to, to take revenge on them um, and I just wondered whether that had as well as your own experience of being a, being a mother and being a wife, whether you'd had the opportunity to look into any of the, the real people who'd done what Medea had done. Yes, I, I mean, I read, I read a little about it, mm. that it's very common that it's usually um, educated women. Mm. It usually happens within the first two weeks of, or I might, be, I might not be right, but it's, very, it's like two or three weeks after the, the husband has left. Mm. Often she takes the boys but leaves the girls. So often it's seen, the, the sons are obviously seen as an extension of the father in a way that the daughters are not. And um, usually they, they will be taken into psychiatric hospitals afterwards rather than prisons, because usually they will have complete and utter mental breakdowns afterwards. Um, so I, I read about it, but t- to be honest, I felt that uh, it was more to do with a, a, a terrible slight on self than the children. Mm. That it wasn't, mm. yeah, that it was more about that, that it was more about individual and society, for me, as Helen. So I, I, I read about it a bit, but I didn't really go into it. Um, yeah. Yana, yeah. I think I'll have to wrap up. Can I just say that it was the most emotionally connected Greek tragedy I have ever seen in my life. Thank you very much. Thank you. The question is, what happened to the chariot? <laughs> Do you know what? That was my question too. I was nothing wrong with me being on a Goldstone chariot at the end. I mean, when I, when I, when I, honestly. When I read it, uh, I, I, I asked them, um, I don't know if you ever saw the, um, is it Anoush Kapoor did The Great Big Sun at the, at the Tate? That's what I wanted. Apparently, we didn't have the budget for Anoush Kapoor. No, she's got a big sun. Did she? Jump up down in front of it, squeak it. Um, but uh, we did I mean I did yes this idea of of, you know that's actually what I was because I was denied my chariot I was absolutely not on no occasion not on the national stage you won't so and uh, a great you know I I, you know obviously uh, uh, when Dame 
Diana Rigg played Fairchild. They, you know, all the, the, the I never saw it. The set came down and crashed. I suggested that it'd been done before. Um, <laughs> you know, and uh, so so I was just left with a couple of sleeping bags. But um, but yeah, I agree that that sort of I'd have I'd have liked to have seen. I I, I, I like all that stuff. I mean, you know, people say, oh, it's very difficult to to, to follow. And you go, have you seen Game of Thrones? <laughs> people oh, love it. A helicopter. I think it's a helicopter. A helicopter yeah. at the end. Yeah. Nothing wrong. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to have to. Would it be a quick one? Yes. Okay, then very quick one. Then we really have okay, to finish. Great, sir. Uh, so in this media, media is a witch, and it's a very par- big part of your personality. So you have a complete witch look in the trailer, you know your charms. So my question is: to what extent did bigger witch affect the way you approached media? You understood her as a woman, and you portrayed her eventually as a witch. I think that uh, knowing that you are connected to the earth. And knowing your uh, power and worth, having a good self-regard of understanding that you can use the things around you, understanding that you can make life and take life, it doesn't get more powerful than that. And that's what every woman can do in this room. And that idea of being um, a healer or some, I mean, you know, we, we... we, we all have it, men and women, that feeling of when you meet somebody immediately, you will like or dis... I mean, so often, very rarely, it's happened to me maybe twice in my life, I will have met somebody and just thought, mm-mm, just stay well away. That person is, you know, is, is dangerous to you for whatever reason. Um, one of them I married. Um, um, but, you know, that sort of, you know, we, are, we all have our instincts. We all have those, those, those instincts. Um, and so I think that, uh, uh, particularly as an actress, you know that belief is incredibly powerful and you can take your mind anywhere and you can take other people's minds anywhere. And just using that... Uh, b- belief that I that absolutely I have was was very important to me as Medea having this the the strength that women have as the witch um I mean I did you know I did sort of I I I researched a bit into it actually when when uh, Edith was talking about researching witchcraft for the last six months that was different that was the, the next job that I've just been doing and that was much more looking into covens and looking into warlocks and, 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 and being surprised to know it's all still going on. Um, but uh, I, I think it is, I think it's important to the power because I think people are frightened of her. But I think people are frightened of strong women today, even without our black pointy hats on. And I'm very pleased they are. <laughs> they should be. Extraordinary notes. Thank you so very, very much for coming. You've been listening to a podcast from the APGRD. If you'd like to hear more, you can visit our website at www.apgrd.ox.ac.uk or look us up on Facebook, facebook.com slash APGRD. Thanks for listening.